This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins with us over in Stevens Point this morning and all those, of course, at home online. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Uh, before we get into the message, we are going to pause for a moment to take our offering, which is done largely now online. Though if you did bring a check or cash or something uh, this morning, you can leave it uh, on the way out and give it that way. A lot of people have actually been mailing in money during the week that don't want to do things online, uh, which is fine by us. Uh, more and more are doing it online. Many are doing recurrent giving, which is really helpful to us. But uh, if you'll just pause, if you're watching on our website, celebrationchurch.tv, you'll see a button that'll pop up uh, for giving, and uh, you can do that at this time. Or you can give, a lot of people do it, using their phones. Everybody has these magic little phones, all right? So what I want you to do is send a text. You can do that right here if you'd like. This is your chance to give into the offering. Uh, just take your text program and send a message to this number, 77977. 77977, that's who you're going to send it to. And then in the message part, put CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, and then the amount, all right? Also, today is our Missions Sunday, which we give above and beyond to our missions. Easiest thing to do right now is do that also with your phone. And uh, but do we put CCWI Missions as how it works? CCWI Missions and then the amount, and that will go right into the admissions account. We have ministries around the world that we help, orphanages, uh, uh, missionaries, that sort of thing. So if you can bend a little bit extra during this time to give to those so that we can continue to serve. Uh, the needs are great around the world, and here's a chance to spread some love and kindness to others. So you can do that on your phone. Now, uh, this morning... I want to read from Matthew, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, starting at verse 22. <clears throat> Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. <clears throat> Nobody asked, how's he going to get to the other side? But they just did what he said. 
You know, Jesus was a little intense. You know, a lot of people don't really catch that. They think he was all hugs and kisses all the time. He was really intense. The disciples got to the point they were afraid to ask him any questions. Ask yourself, how intense would you have to be before people were afraid to ask you any questions? That was him. Compassionate, merciful, like no one had ever seen. But he was no girly man. He was rather strong and rather intense. So he says, you guys go on over. I'll catch up later. No one bothered to say, how are you going to get there? <laughs> they just did what he said to do. So he dismissed the crowds. Uh, and then he went up uh, to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the, from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning... He came walking towards them on the lake. All right, very familiar portion of scripture. Almost everybody knows about Jesus walking on the water. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And not just mildly concerned. <laughs> they were terrified. All right, you don't normally see people walking on water. It's a little freaky. And they were in a pretty rough storm. Now, these are not weekend boaters like me. Okay? You know, I go... The wind's blowing too much. I don't go at all. These guys have spent their entire life on the water. And for them to be freaked out, that's intense storm. The waves battering and stuff. And then they see this guy <laughs> coming on the... They were terrified. You ever feel terrified? Man, oh man, it's a horrible feeling. And they screamed, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Groan, man. <gasps> yeah, I know, right there. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It's just me. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come on. So Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water. What a rush, huh? And he came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink he cried out, Lord, save me. So many analogies there, right? Easy to start out in faith until we notice the wind's blowing around us and things aren't going the way that we hope. And what do you do? You freak, you panic. And when fear takes over, faith disappears and he started to sink. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? <laughs> why did I doubt? I don't know. I don't normally walk on water. But, you know, from Jesus' perspective... That was normal. Anyway, once they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Immediately, everything becomes calm. Whoa. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, waters in the ancient world was synonymous with chaos. Uh, you read of sea monsters and gods of evil, gods of war, gods of destruction, all coming from the sea. They didn't know what was in the sea. It was one big blob of the unknown. I mean, they didn't have submarines. They didn't have underwater exploration. They didn't have, what's that show we watch sometimes? Uh, your dad loves to watch them. What? Seinfeld? <laughs> Creatures under the sea. Planet Earth! There we go. Thank you. And Seinfeld. I must confess, he does love Seinfeld. But you watch these things, and they're fabulous. They're highly entertaining. And the vision, if you've never seen these things, 
what they can take under the, the creatures that live under the water. It's amazing. The knowledge they have gathered to the state is stunning. But this is 2,000 years ago. They haven't seen jack squat other than what they can see through a, a few feet. It was a place of fear for them. Daniel's prophecy in 17, monsters were emerging from the sea, representing the powers of the world. Of course, the prophet sees one like the Son of Man destroying those monsters. Jesus, on top of this terrifying, unruly situation, walked over the dark waters. And ultimately, the waters yielded to him and became calm. Clearly, we are living in days of great darkness and uncertainty, not unlike the murky waters of ancient days. There is great tension in our country today. It's nothing like we've seen since the Civil War. Brother is against brother today, mother against son, father against daughter, neighbors against neighbors. Political ideological tensions have become extremely and I think irrationally high. Sadly, in the midst of this awful tension, Religious liberties are under great assault. Just consider the governor of California this morning. His direct assault on religious expression is staggering. He doesn't want people meeting at all, or if they do, it's just a handful of people that can go into a church. And if you go in there, you can't sing praises to God. And you can't pray out loud prayers to God. He just, you know, does this guy take his marching orders directly from Satan? I mean, look, not to be disrespectful, that sounds pretty disrespectful. But if you're the devil, and your greatest threat, as we all know, is the church of Jesus Christ, Amen. whom Jesus said Satan will never be able to come against and prevail. And he said, man, this is my chance. Shut down these churches. Well, there's a few gathered, oh, they're still singing praises to God, make them stop. And they're still praying. Make them stop. Oh, my goodness gracious. Pastor, say religious liberties are under assault. Well, yeah. Just look at the exceptions. That just makes it seem like an assault. Because if you're protesting, that's okay. You can stand shoulder to shoulder with thousands of people screaming at the top of your lungs. That's fine. And when confronted by this reality, these governors and Be nice, Mark. Be nice. (laughs) They all say, well, this is part of the Constitution. It's in the Constitution, the right to protest. Yeah, right behind freedom of religion. They respect and honor the protesting in the Constitution, but ignore completely the religious expression as if it did not exist. Casinos are okay. I love, I read a story yesterday that this church in Las Vegas rented a big room in a casino. Now think of the stupidity of this. They are renting in a casino and worshiping and singing and praising God in the casino because it's legal there. But they cannot open their churches. Don't tell me there's not a religious assault going on today. This is insane. Religious freedom is what this country was founded on. People wanted to get away from Europe because the government was controlling how they worship God. They said, we've had it. 
And they came here, and it's not like they hopped on a Delta flight. It's not like they got in some, you know, nice cruise line. What's a nice cruise line? Royal Caribbean, thank you. So they booked it Royal Caribbean. They hopped on these. Have you seen these boats? You know, every year, they probably didn't do this year, did they, right? Because of COVID. They didn't have the boats come into them because boats have COVID. So anyway, you see these things? They're tiny ships. They're t- these people would go on these things, some, and they didn't make it. They would go down in storms. Or they were also packed together. Talk about pandemics. All kinds of people died because of all kinds of bugs and stuff on those things. Horrible conditions. They risked their lives. Many lost their lives to come here for one overwhelming con- uh, reason. Freedom to worship God. Amen. That's why they came. That's what this country was founded on. You would know that today because they're rewriting our history. Check this out. Friday, Ventura County State Judge in California issued a temporary restraining order to Pastor Rob McCoy of God Speak Calvary Chapel, prohibiting the church from meeting under Governor Newsom's COVID-19 program of no singing and no worship. The injunction includes every person who attends the church or who will attempt to join the church. Anyone who dares visit the church to worship could be held in contempt of court. However, Governor Newsom's orders allow the church to feed, shelter, and provide social services. But the same people in the same building cannot worship. In other words, non-religious services are acceptable, but religious services are banned. People can receive food, but they cannot take communion. People can be housed overnight, but they cannot hold a short worship service, Bible study, or meet for prayer. People can receive counseling to find a job, but they cannot be counseled on finding eternal life. This case is the first in the country where church members and all future attendees are now considered defendants subject to contempt of court for entering a church to worship. Look, we all took extreme measures when this all started. We locked our doors when let some of you in. A step I regret to this day. And I hope never to repeat that again. But it was the rules, it was the rules. I'm not done. (laughs) Our sweet friend, Derek Allen, died in a car wreck. And we weren't sure if we could have a funeral. Remember, they they said you couldn't even have funerals? So we're going to have a funeral. And I stood up here, this was in the beginning, remember? We didn't know what, we thought this was like the Black Plague. And a sweet mom sitting right where Deanna's sitting. Tears streaming down her face. We couldn't touch anybody. I said, this is insane. I walked down these steps. I wanted, I threw my arms around her. We just stood there and hugged for the longest time. She cried into my shoulder. And for all I know, we'd be dead in a week. Right? I didn't know. So well, if I die, I'd rather die going out in compassion. We did all this because no one knew the extent of what we were dealing with. It was temporary. And the truth is, you can do anything temporary. We can suspend all these rights temporary. I mean, there's no reason to panic and freak and come unglued. Temporary, but this temporary seems to be getting longer and longer with no end in sight. And it turns out, this is not nearly the plague we were warned of. 
I'm not trying to be incensed, but what are we at? 95, 96, 98, 99% survival rate? For this, we're shutting down the world? What about that 1%? Look, people are going to die. Everybody dies. Nobody gets out of here alive. Well, not today. <laughs> They're going to kill us all. We shouldn't have come. People are here, oh, man, I'm glad I stayed home. He's going to kill everybody today. <laughs> I believe history will record this as the greatest overreaction in the history of mankind. Now, granted, I'm preaching to a very friendly crowd. Two-thirds of our church is staying home. <laughs> and that's okay. Look, if anything, we have accommodated everybody. You want to come? Come. You want to stay home? Come. Stay home. Nobody's been yelling at you. Nobody's been criticizing. Whatever you're comfortable. We just want to be here to minister to you. That's what this is about. We were on a Delta flight a week or so ago. The pastor, did you wear a mask? Yes, we wore a mask, but... Deanna and I were masking up before masking was cool. We were frequently throwing cloths over our face. Now, if you're going to get on an airline, take a bath <laughs> or shower. Brush your teeth. And for the love of God, don't eat a bowl of beans before you get on the flight. So we have been pro-masking on flights for quite some time before it was hip and cool. And I'm, I'm reading the instructions. It says, you know, if you think you have, have COVID, uh, the uh, government suggests that you just stay home. You'll probably be fine in a few days. That's what it says. That's what they said. It's a vast, vast majority people don't have any symptoms at all. And if you do have some, you'll, you'll probably be fine in a few days. You know, if you get really, we have problems breathing, then that's when you go to the hospital. And it irritates me to know, and they're always talking about the numbers of people who have this, but they never tell us how many people are actually sick. And it makes me crazy. Sadly, this is the real sad part. I could get this disease tomorrow and die by Thursday, God forbid. And if I do, oh, the heyday people will have. <laughs> Right? Then I'll be famous. Johnny, everybody will know me then. I'll get on Fox News, CNN. Oh, pastor, he criticizes. Now he's dead. But I'll tell you what, even if that happens, God forbid. In my opinion, it does not justify the lives we are destroying, the economic disaster that many are experiencing, the jobs that are being lost forever, the depression cases that are soaring, the suicide rights that are climbing, and the fear that is causing Christians to abandon our clear biblical directives which is what one we're supposed to meet together two that's what the bible teaches two we're supposed to sing and worship god despite what governor newsom says three we're supposed to lift up our voices in prayer four we're supposed to lay hands on the sick and pray for them five we're supposed to comfort those who mourn six we're supposed to celebrate the lord's supper that's what we're supposed to do now suspending that for a time i don't have a problem and maybe it needs to drug out a little bit longer but this cannot stay like this. That's what we're called to do. And then the other day, the Supreme Court refused to provide protections for religious worshipers. Well, Pastor, that's, that's the law of the land. Now, the Supreme Court, they have the final say. We've got, we've got to obey the rules. Yeah, well, that Supreme Court was wrong on abortion, and it's wrong on this. Amen. 
Uh, but Pastor, what about chapter 13 of Romans? Let's read it. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And, and in other words, the, they're going to come down on you, not judgment from God. For rulers are not a terror if you do good things, but bad. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Then do what's good, and you will receive its approval. For it is God's servant, uh, for it is God's servant, the authority, uh, for good. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. Thankfully, they don't come in here with swords. It is a servant of God uh, to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. That's what governments are there for. Therefore, one must be subject not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. In other words, don't just do it because uh, you might get in trouble because of your conscience sake. Now, Paul wrote, writes to Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, the second chapter, verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman irreproachable, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he's talking to this young preacher, and preachers ever since have been taught this. We are to rightly divide the word of truth. What does that mean? It means the ability to understand the scriptures in balance. We do not take one verse and assume it holds all the truth or supersedes all the other scriptures. Amen. We are to balance the scriptures in context and in the light of the others. For example, we don't baptize for dead people. So why would you say that? Because there's a verse in 1 Corinthians where Paul talked about baptizing for dead. Well, what is that about? Nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. There's not even a historical record anywhere that anybody knows what he's talking about. So we don't build off of one verse. It's inconsistent with all the other verses. We must rightly divide the word of truth. We don't baptize dead people. Praise the Lord. Mormons actually do. They do. They baptize for dead people, right? That's what they do. In fact, a lot of these uh, genealogy programs that you can buy, ancestors are all owned by Mormons because they want to follow how many dead people you're connected to. So when you convert to Mormons, they will baptize for all of them. Uh, from that one verse, we think it's unbalanced. We don't know what he's talking about. There's no place else in the scripture that supports it. You have to rightly, rightly divide the word of truth. In Romans 13, Paul is teaching Christians to obey the law and be good citizens. It does not mean, however, that Christians are required to obey every rule set by, forth by authorities, particularly those that go against our faith. We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the other day, right? They were thrown in the fiery furnace. Do you know why? They broke the rules. Daniel was thrown in the lines then because he broke the rules. Jesus was crucified by religious leaders because he Broke the rules. Don't think he didn't break the rules. He literally went out of his way to break the rules. And he said, well, they were a religion. No, 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 no. These guys were the governing authority of the day. The only reason they went to Pontius Pilate because they lacked the authority to kill somebody. They couldn't do capital punishment. That's why they went to Pontius Pilate. They hated Pontius Pilate. They were, oh, your majesty so good to see. They wish he'd drop over dead any second. But they had to tolerate that. This was the law, and Jesus broke it routinely. The early Christians were persecuted. Do you know why? They broke the laws. We read in Acts, the fifth chapter, verse 28. These are the power leaders, the law givers of the day. We gave you strict orders not to teach in the name of Jesus. These were the power people of the day. These were the people, this governing authority that Paul writes about. But what does Peter say in verse 29? He said, listen, guys, 
We have to obey God rather than you. Peter was thrown into prison because he broke the rules. Paul was thrown into prison multiple times for breaking the rules. Christians were routinely killed in the Colosseum of Rome because they broke the rules. Back in the day, Pastor Joe and I, other Christians, we smuggled Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. Illegally. Taking the gospel to people in communist countries. So what would have happened if you got in caught? We'd have gone to jail. I knew one guy, I was talking to him for a long time. He got caught. They threw him in jail for weeks. Never said a thing to him. For all he knew, that he was never going to get out. It was terrifying. There was a price to pay. To this very day, listen to me. As I am speaking, Christians in China, Iran, and many parts of the Middle East are being persecuted as we speak because they are routinely breaking the rules. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. This is the great faith first verse chapter in the Bible. Talking about great people of faith. Chapter 11, verse 32, we pick it up. He says, what more can I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. But there were others who were tortured refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. That is a horrible day when somebody saws you in half. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Do you know why they suffered such indignities? Do you know why they were tortured and sawn in half? They broke the rules. This current pandemic has brought out the very worst in some of our political leaders. Many of them using fear to grant themselves the power to infringe on our fundamental rights and even causing a direct assault on our religious freedoms. I don't know where this is all going, but I'm not worried. I do not, yes, my wife, I don't walk around freaked out and <gasps> I'm just not worried that way. It must be exhausting to be afraid all the time. <laughs> I don't know how people do it, seriously. We'll deal with it one day at a time. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? There might be some new who knows what's coming. Well, Pastor, what are they going to do if they forbid us to hold services again? Well, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to cancel all religious services at celebration. And instead, I'm going to schedule weekly Sunday morning protests. Amen. That's what we're going to do. And at our weekly protest meetings, we're going to sing songs. We're going to hear from talented speakers. We're going to have a snack, a little bread, a little wine. And we're going to protest against injustice. The injustice of sin. The injustice of selfishness. The injustice of adultery and immorality. The injustice of broken homes. The injustice of hatred. And most certainly, the injustice of politicians who think they are bigger than God himself. 
categorically refuse to enforce a mask mandate on any person who walks through our doors. You know, thank God for Wisconsin. Who thought we'd be on the leading edge of freedom in this country? We have a judiciary and a legislature that has largely kept Governor Evers in check. He hates it. And uh, so he issued this mask mandate. He says, well, what about it? Well, it's, why, why don't the legislature overturn it? They could. They could do it tomorrow, right, John? They can do it tomorrow. Why don't they do it? Why? It's unenforceable. The police say they're not going to enforce it. Some businesses are going to enforce it because they're afraid that they can potentially lose their business license. We don't have a license. They don't give us a license to worship God. Thank God. Yeah, I know. Just give them an idea. Wait for that to kick in. I'm going to enforce our job. I'm going to enforce. The government wants to wear you mask. He can come in here and make you wear them. And by the way, the police can come in right now and find every one of you that aren't wearing a mask $200 a piece. And you'd have to pay it. Bet you next week you'll wear a mask. <laughs> or at least wear one in and when the police leave, take it back off again. One way or the other. I'm not going to force this nonsense. You know, he wants you to wear them at night too. In your own home. Yeah, the exception is you don't have to wear it when you're sleeping. I think the man has a Napoleonic complex. Napoleonic complex. If you know your history, you know what that means. If you don't, get a book. <laughs> Listen to me, especially all you at home. We have accommodated everyone's concerns. No one has felt pressured here to do anything. There are people this morning wearing masks. That's fine with us. People who don't want to wear That's fine. I don't care. It's not my job to enforce these ridiculous mandates. One third of our church gathers on Sunday morning. Two thirds stay at home. That's fine. Say, Pastor, we're not comfortable. That's fine. No one here has said anything to the contrary. Obviously, everybody's cheering here. Maybe some of you guys at home are feeling bad. Don't feel bad. These are the rowdy ones. <laughs> These are the ones that are going to get me thrown in jail, and then you guys at home have to bail me out. So, you know, just. Yeah, you'll be in jail with me. You have to bail us all out. Look, I do not know what's going to happen as we are tossed about in these dark and stormy waters, but I do know that Jesus walks on the murky and stormy waters, and at the end of the day, he will cause these waters to obey and to be calm. And until then, we will look through a glass darkly. Now, that's a phrase from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, where Paul talks, we look through a glass darkly. What it means is, you know, you ever look through a, glasses, you know, like a stained glass kind of thing. You, you can kind of see stuff on the other side and images and shapes and stuff. It's hard to really see. That's what we live in. It's called faith. If everything was clear, you wouldn't need faith. Right? Well, the thing is, what's going to happen? I don't know. What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. That's why I can't, some of you guys stressing out because of your retirement in 30 years. I'm just trying to get to Tomorrow. We'll take it as it comes, one day at a time. I don't know what will happen. I don't know. But I think, and thankfully churches now are starting to stand up against some of this insanity. 
the vast majority are still going along. But again, from the context of this is temporary, then I get that. I don't have a problem with temporary suspending everything. Temporary. But this temporary is starting to look awfully like permanent. And if there's one phrase that just makes my skin crawl, it's every time someone on newscaster on one of these nitwit cable nations says, oh, this is the new normal. No, it's not. No, no, not for me. And we're not. And that means we get shut down and we all have to start sneaking around. I don't know. We'll be like the majority of Christians in the world. Do you know when God looks at the world, you know what language he hears speaking the most? What do you think? Chinese. America, we're 300 million people. We're nothing. We'll be like the majority of the world who's struggling under oppressions and they're still meeting and they're still praying and they're still glorifying God and they're still preaching the gospel. Do I want to live like that? I do not. I like the world in which I live. But if that happens, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll all meet at Corey's house next week. We'll figure it out. Well, now we can't because I told him where we're going, so now we're in trouble. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> if anybody's angry about what I said, just relax. Send your angry email to Corey Capwell. <laughs> And he will deal with it. All right, we're going to go into our time of communion. I'm going to let our Stevens Point campus go free. The rest of you online obviously stay with us. All of you stay with us as we turn to our communion service. In his epistle to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, talking about communion, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is something we're supposed to do. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable, answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. That's what he called it. He called it the body and the blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, he says, before you do this. And only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. Something you do not want to do. So with those words in mind, let's bow our heads and kind of reset our hearts before God a time to ask for forgiveness, any stumbles, any mistakes, frustrations that we've had over this last week. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, God, in thought, word, or deed, something we've done, maybe something that we left undone that we should have done, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbor as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And while we're still in an attitude of prayer, maybe you've never surrendered your heart to Christ. Say, well, I've gone to church all my life. I've known all about this. Yeah, but do you really know what we're talking about today? when we're singing the way that we sing, do you know why we do this? Why we even gather like this? Why we give money? All because of what God has done in our lives. It is a powerful, glorious thing to know that all your sins are forgiven. 
And if you've never done that, let me encourage you in your own words right now, ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into me, into my life and grant me a new start.